Welcome to Spirit in the Schools, a show revealing the Holy Spirit through self-gift and education. And now, here's your host, Mr. Zach Coyle. Spirit in the Schools! Welcome back, listeners, to Spirit in the Schools. We are so excited to be here with Vanessa Diller from St. Louis Besanson. And as we start our episode today, listeners, have you ever tried to define goodness? It is a good question to think about. How do we define that? And have you ever thought about how can we increase that fruit of the Holy Spirit, goodness? We are going to offer some answers later in this episode, and it has a lot to do with vision. But as I said, I am here with a colleague of mine, principal at St. Louis Besanson, Vanessa Diller. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Zach. I'm very thrilled to be here. We are thrilled to have you, really. This is great. And so we've been colleagues now for five years. How long have you been at St. Louis, though? I'm trying to remember. So this will be my 15th year at St. Louis. I taught kindergarten for seven years, and then this is my eighth year as principal. That's really incredible. I've been there. I've been blessed to be there since I graduated College. I knew it was more than 10, but I couldn't remember for sure. So yeah. that's, that's really yeah. fantastic. Kudos on reaching your 15. That's Thank awesome. Thank you. So for our listeners, Vanessa is regarded very rightly as an expert in curriculum design. And, you know, I think, you know, we think about our careers and when is it that we realize, oh, I actually can say that I have some expertise in this, you know, and, and you really do. And so Vanessa's really been working on a very important effort our diocese has for curriculum. And this will tie very much into the fruit of the Holy Spirit, goodness. But I think it's a great place to start because a lot of our listeners might not really know that word. So, Vanessa, um, for this effort for our diocese, I think a great uh, question to first ask is what is curriculum and how is it different from instruction? Yeah, that's a a good place to start. Um, And curriculum is something that I myself have been trying to investigate and figure out. But curriculum is... um, first built on the standards. So all grade levels have standards that they have to teach, uh, which are basically prerequisite skills so that the following year they can continue to advance in their education. That's so good. A very workable definition. Yes. I love it. Yes. It's great. Uh, and, and that's different from instruction, which instruction would be the delivery of that content. So yes. the content the curriculum is kind of the what needs to be taught, and yes. then the instruction is how the delivery is is done by the teacher. I was hoping you'd use that definition because yes. <laughs> I, I think a lot of our listeners are parents, and they, and they may not know a working, but yeah, the what is taught versus how is it taught. Right. right? Absolutely. And I appreciate your uh, reference back to the standards because that's something our diocese is working on. And for a parent, again, they may not know that. But if you think about, I love the working definition, a prerequisite so that your child's ready for the next grade. That makes good sense. Yes. Right? Yep. Well, walk us through a little bit. So our diocese, and obviously I'm, I'm blessed to know about this effort and to be helping with it, right? But for a listener, they probably really don't know that our diocese is working on our own curriculum. So can you give a little bit of background on that story? What, what are we trying to work on? What are we doing currently? Yeah. So um, again, looking at the standards. So um I think we kind of identified as a diocese that teachers understood that there were standards that needed to be taught, but we didn't have a consistent way of uh, providing teachers with those building blocks. So um, what we've been doing is looking at what we call high priority standards, which are identified by other teachers in the state of Indiana Uh, as kind of the most important standards. So in kindergarten, there might be 20 math standards that need to be taught, and they've narrowed it down to the most important standards that, again, are identified by teachers in the state of Indiana. So And that's so important and worth just pausing for a minute because I think a listener out there might think, you know, curriculum or a standard comes from 
government, comes from some higher up, comes from somewhere else. You know, people who don't really actually know what the children need. Wait a minute. Hard pause. Yes. This actually comes from our teachers, right? Right. So it, it does come from people who know what the children need. Exactly. And I think kind of the same misconception happens with our iLearn assessments, mm-hmm. which is our high standards test at the end of the year. Even what is questioned or what is asked on the iLearn test is determined by teachers in the state of Indiana. Actually, I think a lot of teachers in the state of Indiana don't know that. You I, know. I would agree with that, yes. Well, I think it's just a misconception. You know, we we know that some companies exist that write curriculum, that write tests. So we just assume, oh, this is perhaps a bigger business or some other industry stepping in. But right. Indiana really is intentional about that. Absolutely. And I think it helps the teacher understand, okay, well, this must be important because other teachers who have experience teaching this grade level know that this is something that needs to be taught in right. this in this grade level. And education has changed back, you know, thinking back when I taught kindergarten, it was very different than what it is now. There were standards that I taught in kindergarten that are taught now in preschool. There were standards that were taught in second grade that are now taught in kindergarten. So it, as it has evolved, it's it's been a constant um, reevaluation by teachers to to mold and shape how they deliver different content each year. It's really fun when we get to start with you having the expertise that you do. In fact, hearing that played out, it's great. Well, so for our diocese, so, so we were talking about how our teachers are realizing that we need a little bit more support on identifying our own standards and how that's kind of shaping uh, what we're teaching and, and why we're teaching it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit. So we have this diocesan curriculum committee, which uh, you have been a part of since the beginning, I think. Yeah. When did you When did you first formally start working for the uh, committee? Well, the committee basically started, uh, I believe, in February of 2021. Yes. So I think it was right after COVID. Right. Um, and, you know, before COVID, COVID, of course, changed everything in, in education. Um, you know, some would argue that we kind of missed, or I guess I would argue, I'll throw myself out there. Sure. We missed an opportunity to kind of step back and look at how we taught prior to COVID and really learn uh, and take an opportunity to say, okay, well, maybe we weren't doing the best that we could have been doing before COVID, sure. but COVID just exacerbated all of the challenges that teachers face. And um, I really do feel that everyone lost something in the pandemic. Absolutely. I mean, we have truly the physical loss, loss of life, but but our lives were affected in ways that people are still figuring out, right? Absolutely. And our school data can still show that to some extent, Correct. right? And, and even our teachers, you know, look at how many teachers this summer, I'm sure you were bombarded like I was with all this data from a teacher's perspective, either leaving the profession or not recommending the profession to others because of the challenges that they faced through COVID. We have, but you know, the goodness of the Holy Spirit. And so tying back to that, like we also have those stories of those teachers who have just stepped back and said, you know what? I love teaching. I love being an educator. I love the Lord. And I am like more sure than ever that I want to be a witness. But yes, amen to the hiring challenges. But also I think from both of us, probably a huge thank you to our staffs, right? Yep. Because, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, people have stepped up. But you are very right that uh, one of the effects of the pandemic was to make people really look at the industry. And uh, there were some frustrations about where things were. Yeah, you know. and and I think all the efforts that the Diocesan Curriculum Committee and just the process, I, I think it's the most exciting time to be a teacher in the diocese because one of the tools that we've developed is what's called a pacing guide. So right. we asked 
teachers within our diocese who are known as experts in their grade level, they looked at those standards and they put them in an order that other teachers in the diocese could follow. So a new teacher coming in now has kind of a roadmap of where they're leading the students for the whole year. And before that was developed, we didn't really have anything consistent for the diocese. Um, So that is a huge, uh, will hopefully make a huge impact for teachers. But then also we've structured um, all the schools in the diocese into what we call cohorts. So we looked at geographically the space that different schools are are in, right. put them together so that we have maybe more meaningful relationships between schools and between the teachers and just hopefully a share of the knowledge and experience that they have. So, um, for example, we have our curriculum day coming up September right. 2nd yes. for the Fort Wayne side, which yes. I'm so thrilled. Um, I'm thrilled to be a part of that. And so each cohort will come together. Um, it's September 1st on the South Bend side, September 2nd on the Fort Wayne side, they'll come together in their cohorts and just have maybe a more intimate um, platform to talk about the challenges they're having in their classroom, talk about the successes that they're seeing in their classroom, share some good instructional practices, um, look at those pacing guides, because now we kind of have a starting off point where they have some common areas to to discuss. We might not all be using the same, we're definitely not all using the same textbooks, but the textbooks that this is another misconception I think that teachers and parents have in particular Absolutely. that the curriculum is the textbook. Well, and that's what we knew when we were students. Exactly. You know, we had the textbook. We had what, what our teacher taught us, but we didn't understand that maybe and actually maybe in, in years past there there weren't uh, quite the same level or even existing standards. Right. Uh, but certainly now it's the standard and then the different tools that help us meet that standard can all help meet that. Exactly. Yeah. So so that's great. And I was thinking about the cohort effort. So, you know, I think for, for a listener, because this, this could be anyone in the nation thinking about, oh, well, my district's working on curriculum right now. And, you know, there's this idea in leadership that any any good we achieve is it's our people, not programs. Right. So if the program's successful, it's because the people are, are wanting it to exactly. be. Exactly. And they're committed to it and their heart is there. And so this effort of our cohorts really actually knowing one another I'm excited about that. I think that oh, was probably yeah. one of the pieces that we hadn't, uh, through prayer, discerned in previous years right. as a diocese, I'm saying, that if we could have those meaningful relationships, that actually creates the drive to really want to own and know and invest in the standards and walk that out. So yeah. so one product is a pacing guide. Yes. So a parent hearing that, that's great to know. So so our teachers now will have, and they're under development, some are, some are actually complete, some are being written. But we will have the standards arranged by quarter so we really know a roadmap of where our students are. Right. Now, the other part of it is something called the curriculum framework. Yes. And I think that's really cool for a parent to know about, too. Oh, yes. So, so. This, this is really where the magic happens, I think, and where teachers can really be excited about the content that they're delivering. Because yes. there are different elements in the curriculum framework and um, one that is still, you know, very newly, I mean, we're, it's an organic creation. That we're, and we're working on it Exactly. Now. Right. And it's going to be very much up to the teachers is um, the beauty, truth, and goodness element, which is, as a Catholic school, where we can incorporate our faith through all areas of content. Yes. So that's something that I know as a curriculum committee, we're really excited to see where that goes because yeah. it's going to oh, be driven great. by the teachers. And I like that's part of our, our curriculum day upcoming that we actually yes. have that there. But 
know, giving God credit and praise as author of all life, God's actually the author of all subjects. So it's it's easy to find that, you know, truth, beauty, and goodness exactly. uh, as, we, as we look for it to call that out. Absolutely. Well, speaking of goodness, that's a great tie-in. Uh, and, you know, I think this effort, you know, Vanessa, for a listener, has really been at the heart of a group of principals who have worked on this committee to prepare the effort for the diocese as a whole. And one of the things that was on my heart and that I wanted to focus on today was that this is actually not directly part of any one principal's job description. You know, there's a lot that that goes between the lines. And yep. really, I think some principals might say the idea of an actual job description is somewhat moot and that, you know, we, we need to do all things to serve our community well, regardless of what, right. that, what that is. However, there are some efforts that are above and beyond, right? So I, I thought about this. And, and, you know, as we're working to really improve the diocese, you had a willingness to work on something that wasn't inherently mandated or required. And and that was in my heart about, yeah, our listeners should hear that. That is actually one way of defining goodness right there, that when we are willing to step up and do something more than what's required out of love, that is really what goodness looks like. And so this whole effort really shows a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so on one, I wanted to thank you. But I think a question for you with that is, in your teaching or in your first years as a principal, when did you realize that that was needed? Because there was something in your heart that called you to that. And I, I haven't even had the chance to learn that from you before. So how did you first feel that call or hear that call? Yeah, we need we need to work on this. You know, what was that like for you? Well, it was basically in noticing my inability or my lack of knowledge, you know, coming from the kindergarten grade level. I knew kindergarten standards like right. it was nobody's business. But <laughs> now I was a principal for preschool to eighth grade, yes. and I didn't know anything about eighth grade standards. So, um, you know, just just my own personal experience, having new teachers come into the building, and I missed opportunities to really lead them well because of my own, you know. Uh, I think that honesty is so valuable you know, I and just, another yeah, sign of goodness, right? I just didn't know how to help serve my teachers. Yes. And I thought, I, there's got to be other principals who feel like they've got so much on their plate that they're not serving their teachers well or they don't know a good place to start. And Yes, you know, I think that's every leader yeah. feeling that to some extent, and, right? And I think it, it we, we do need to mention that there have been efforts in the past in the diocese to try to get more consistency and to support the teachers. And for one reason or another, they just didn't—the fruits were never— prosperous. You know, we sure. didn't see the, the fruits of, of those seeds. One thing a listener might not know is that really a curriculum writing process for many Catholic dioceses is actually very new. Uh, we were alluding to that earlier, you mm -hmm. know, that we kind of grew up with the idea that the textbook is the curriculum. And really, the textbook's a tool, and there may be a publisher who's who's helping to create that tool. And it can be a very good tool. It could be improved. You know, all of that could be debated. But now we actually have a deeper understanding of that. The standards guide, as you said at the beginning, the prerequisite needed for yeah. the next grade. So what tool fits that? Well, now our diocese around the nation are really engaged in that. And so parents might hear the term accreditation and not really know what that's about. But as we have visiting teams who are saying, are we living the mission the way we say we are? Really, curriculum's a huge focus for that. Absolutely. So, you know, if we're really living our mission, we need to know what we're teaching. Yeah. Of course, we have the how we're teaching it and the people, right? So- Yes. So I think the diocese has been working on this for probably now, ultimately, the, the concept of working on curriculum is probably about 15 years in the making. Yeah. But now a really renewed focus revealing that goodness. So it's wonderful right. that you felt the need from reflecting on your own leadership. 
Because I think that's one thing we look for in the best educators is that they're reflective of their own practice. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll think of so many uh, uh, of the colleagues I've been blessed to work with over the years who will say, man, I am so pumped. I, I planned that perfectly and worked the way I wanted. And then also the flip, they'll come to me the next day and say, that absolutely flopped, yeah. you know? But <laughs> oh, yeah. that they're willing to be reflective of that and say, I'm going to learn from that, you know? Yeah. So that's that's really great that you were willing to think about your own leadership as the call to that and and to dive into that. And I think too, just in our in knowing one another these last years as colleagues, uh, some other examples you've had of that concept of when were you willing to dive in, even if it wasn't, you know, required in the job description. So you've been a coach, yeah. I think, for several years, right? Yeah. Soccer is what I knew about, but it, it sounds like you've actually been coaching several sports. So just give me a little bit of background on that. Yeah. So I I love sports. I think they're so important in helping students understand how to take direction from other adults. I think the teamwork aspect obviously is yes. huge and carries into every part of their life. Um, but then also, you know, I know St. Vincent's as well has been part of uh, Virtue Equal Strength and yes. Sports Leader. Yes. And so I really wanted to help drive um, to the coaches, you know, be a model of how to use that. And then, of course, you know, whenever you're saying a prayer like, Lord, help me understand how I can help model this, then he opens a door. And uh, we had a need for soccer coach when we first started soccer okay. a few years ago. And then this past year, we needed a volleyball coach, which I never played a day of volleyball in my life. Okay. And then we needed a basketball coach, and I never played a day of basketball <laughs> in my life either. And I wouldn't even, I, I think coaching is too strong of a word. I was more like a sideline enthusiast, sure, you know, okay, for the team. Like um, so it, it was just a great opportunity. You know, um, I know Lou, Lou, who is like the huge advocate for sports leader and virtue equals yes, strength. Yeah. He is so good at saying, you know, when the kids are choosing something like athletics, it gives us a great opportunity to speak to them about God and Amen. help them develop their relationship with Jesus. And so it was just another exciting opportunity that I had to to help the students and see them in that different way and for them to see me in a different way. Right. Um, I think that's a really, good plug, by the way, too, for because uh, if a teacher's listening, they want to know what are they talking about. So Lou Judd, virtue equals strength. Yes. If you Google that, you will get right to their homepage uh, and a beautiful program that can be used actually in the classroom as well. Yes. But it originally grew out of a, a real need from the sports arena, right? To actually bring virtue very much to the forefront of how we are coaching, how we're teaching our students virtue on and off the the court, so to speak. Right. But by the way, Sideline Enthusiast, I love that title. Yeah. <laughs> there will one day be rock bands with that title, I think. I would the love Sideline yes. Enthusiast. Okay. Just, just from this podcast. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, so when you were coaching, though, when you were willing to step into that, not knowing that, you, you know, you knew that you hadn't played volleyball or basketball, right? Yep. But you felt that call. For one, again, a compliment. But I think it's great that that what we're trying to show in this podcast is that yeah, that's what goodness looks like when somebody's mm -hmm. willing to step into that and say, look, this is what my community needs right now. It's not part of the job description, but I'm willing to to be that enthusiast. Yeah. The the level of life that's shared in that choice, right? So you you know that. You got to live it with how you helped your students. But uh, I think that can be something where we're afraid to hop in. If like, well, I, you know, I don't have the experience. I didn't do this. Right. But the need's there. And and let's go for it. So yeah. thanks for uh, sharing that part of the goodness. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's that's another way when, when we said at the beginning, how are we going to grow goodness? If there's a listener out there that's actually wanting to pray on that, like, what could I do, Lord? Of course, we want to be called in, in that Christian call to holiness is mm -hmm. our common vocation. Yeah. We want to be close to God. We want to be, you know, 
living in love with God, right? But but what do I actually do? Mm-hmm. Well, this is it, right? We hop in when we see a need, even yes. if it's not really part of the job description as, as it would be. So, um, you know, and I think from that too, part of the definition when I was saying at the start of, about vision, yeah, you had a vision for the diocese with the curriculum effort mm-hmm. and you had a vision for your community being willing to be, I'm still going to use the word coach, even yeah. though sideline <laughs> enthusiast, <laughs> right? But there's vision that's needed. And so I was thinking about some of the uh, messages we've had at St. Vincent's recently from our priests about how do we fundamentally see the world? Yeah. And uh, Father Brian Eisenbarger, who's a newly ordained priest, our new associate pastor, shared this concept with the students about you almost need to put on kingdom glasses so that you're really looking at the world as if, you know, God was giving you the vision to do that. And when you do, suddenly you see all of these ways that you can help your fellow man in a way that you may not have, you know, been been able to see that before. Yeah. So it's a vision-based thing. Right. Uh, but it's a real joy to hear about you made that effort to hop in, and it's really born great fruit for your own life, which yeah, is wonderful. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And and just seeing, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure you could say the same thing. Those around us, like, I'm inspired every day by the, those who are around me, you know, yes. the people that are in my building, the families who send their children there and even, Amen. you know, our whole community. Amen. So I think too, if if one person shows they're not afraid to jump in, I think the the fruit that comes from that is just this feeling of this is just what we do here. Like this yeah. is our community and we see a need and we dive in Amen. and it can be contagious. You know, we hope it can be contagious. So anyone who's on the fence and maybe has an opportunity that they're not sure if if they should say yes or not to, um, obviously pray about it, but then also think about the seeds that you're planting in others and the inspiration that you can be to others yes. to jump in and say yes The too. Spirit does work that way, doesn't mm-hmm. he? So, you know, you yeah. see that one person who's willing to take that step and suddenly there's a second person with them and then yeah. a third and then there's 10. And right. yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Absolutely. Thanks for that call. I love yeah. it. I did want to ask you just as as witnesses, you know, as principals, we have a lot that we do, but I think I think you and I would would probably, and I think probably every principal in our diocese would agree, like the fundamental task we have before us is to witness to Christ. Yes. And so if we're working on curriculum, the underlying goal we actually have is to witness to Christ, Yeah. right? And if we're working on whatever report, you know, well, this is somehow going to enable our school to better witness to Christ. Okay. So just anywhere in your background, I'm sure it was a process that, that took time, but is there something that helped you that God gave you in your own journey to, to give you that vision where, where you're a little bit more willing or able to say, you know what, you know, you, you had the one definite example of when you were then serving as principal, not knowing the standards, being the reflective call mm-hmm. that got you involved in the committee, right? Yeah. But to, to have a vision of like, yeah, I'm, I'm able to think about the needs of, of others. Like, is there a moment from your life? Because I think that's a tip for a listener about like, yeah, if I'm praying like God, I actually mean it. Like, help me to be more good. Help me to live the fruit of goodness. Like, I, I think it's great to share witness stories from yeah. that. So like, is there something from your life that that comes to mind? Well, um, I think the biggest thing, especially being in my role and, you know, I I never plan on being principal. Like that is very much real life. Like okay. I never plan on I didn't being know principal. That. Yeah. Yep. Never. I If I could have stayed in kindergarten the rest of my life, I was totally content doing awesome. that. Um, but then- we were we started kind of an initiative to have more students with exceptional needs in our building. Yes. And I knew I had a very little understanding of how to teach them. Sure. So um, there was an opportunity I had to go to Notre Dame for their teaching exceptional children. It, it's some it's called something different, but that's what it was called then. Yes. Um, and I didn't realize how much I loved 
working with peers and really kind of leading, you know, in that role. And uh, the first day of school after the first summer of that course, um, the superintendent at the time came to St. Louis and was looking for me. Okay. And uh, he said, well, you know, I know you're in this program at Notre Dame and they have a master's degree program for administrators and I'm going to suggest that you be on the next cohort. So you might want to start praying about oh, whether great. you want to get your master's. Right. And, um, you know, my husband and I, we had two children at the time and we were talking, we were praying and uh, talking about adding on to our family. And so I thought, you know, this isn't really the right time and yes. I don't really think I want to do this. And so we prayed and um, I definitely didn't have as much faith that, you know, as a mom and running the household, I thought there's no way they can be without me for, it was a three-year commitment it's a serious um, undertaking. Yes, exactly. Right. And so I talked with my husband. I thought, well, he's he's going to say, no, this isn't the right time or, you know, whatever. And he was like, yeah, I think we I, we can make that work. We can do that. And, and he just had that clarity. Yeah. Yes. And I, I mean, I'm so thankful that he, you know, was such a good leader for our family and uh, being kind of a type A who always feel, has to feel like I'm in control of a lot of things. Sure. You know, I know what my circle is. I try to mm-hmm. control everything in my circle. Um, and so, uh, I just really thought it was the Lord kind of eliminating all the obstacles to take this path, yes. even though I had no idea what it looked like because I'd never thought about it before. And so then going to, to Notre Dame, uh, our, the person who was in charge of developing the program, Father Ron Nuzzi, was so intentional in the way he delivered basically everything in the, in the process, um, prayer time. I mean, he, we were doing Vespers every day of the week. Oh, we wow. had to do nine o'clock PM mass on set on Sunday night. Okay. Um, and so everything was so intentional and he was continued to say, or he was known to, to say, when you feel like the last thing you have time for is prayer, that's when you need to make time for oh, it. Amen. And it, yes. I didn't realize the way that the content was structured. I mean, it was very heavy academically, you know, and instructionally, um, but then also spiritually, I didn't realize until I became a principal how much it mirrored the busyness of being a principal and that you do have to set aside those times yes. for prayer. And so I just, I feel like everything, like the veil was lifted from my eyes kind of, you know, in in looking at this profession and thinking, okay, well, this, anything that I do in this role really has nothing to do with me. I just had to say yes. And the Lord has just continued to to just bless, you know, things that I've done and any goodness, any good thing that I've done, I know is completely from the Lord. I think it's a beautiful story because, you know, really at the start of what you were sharing was an opportunity that God, in a sense, came knocking, right? Through the superintendent, actually, in a sense, through Notre Dame, but through your husband saying, yes, this works for our family. You know, we can choose this. But then there's a response needed, right? So God comes knocking in our life in a lot of ways. Right. But I think uh, the desire to grow in goodness has a lot to do with that. Yes, God, I I hear you knocking and I will respond. So Vanessa, thanks for uh, being able to share that with us. And I really think that as, as a listener takes home, maybe a little bit on curriculum, but knowing that behind it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That helps us as parents and as educators too, because whatever the task we're working on, 
there's something deeper at work, right? And, right? and that something deeper really isn't a what, but a who. It's God. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and it's been a beautiful story. And I really do think the sideline enthusiasts are, are going to be <laughs> just appearing soon from, from the Holy Spirit's graces. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> but thanks so much for joining us. And listeners, we are so grateful for you tuning in. We will catch you next time. Spirit in the schools. Thanks, Vanessa, again. God bless. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Spirit in the Schools. Zach Coyle has been your producer and host. This episode was edited by Tony Marks. And for more information, go to spokestreet.com slash spirit. Spirit in the Schools. <laughs>